Well, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm excited to bring this uh, conversation to you. I'll tell you what, one of the best things about podcasting is the opportunity to um, expand and meet more people through the relationships that you build. And this, the woman that we're going to talk to today uh, came to me through Tanya Blessing, who is a previous guest. She's been on a couple times. And uh, so you never know just how uh, powerful your your network is going to be, because um, we're going to hear some great stories today. So our guest is the executive director of Sarah's Home, Vicki Prophet. Vicki, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, sir. I'm delighted to be here. I'm glad to make the connection. You're doing some cool work over there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Sarah's Home, what you do there, and yourself personally, and then uh, we'll go back, and I'd love to hear more of your story. Okay. I'm honored to tell you that Sarah's Home is an amazing God-centered place that he has created and he sustains. Sarah's Home is a residential program licensed by the state of Colorado for rescued sex-trafficked teenage girls. Um, Our girls, we have been open, let me say, we've been open since 2003, and we've had mm, 14 girls in residence from that time. We um, do not take government money so that we can keep our girls longer and help their families because our girls always want eventually to have some relationship with their families. So we are, um, we love what we do. It's an extreme need in our, in our world and in our community. And we believe with all of our heart that Jesus Christ is the answer for our girls. Yeah, absolutely. That's such an important uh, ministry, and you know, it's not something we hear about a whole lot. Although, Correct. you know, you probably know the statistic better than I do. Denver, where we live, is uh, it's a high, it's high up there on the list of places for sex trafficking. I don't know what number it is, though. Do you know? No, sir, I don't. It's but I know that I, that uh, in the fall of last year, the FBI rescued a five-year-old little girl and her three-month-old little sister. We were being offered for six hundred dollars for sex wow. in Denver, Colorado. That's unbelievable, and a little bit uh, it makes me just a little bit furious that that's happening right here in our city. Yes. Um, so that, but here's the thing: I think for our friends in this conversation with us, Denver is not just Denver, right? So it's all over the all over the country. It's all over the country. And all over the world. And so that's that's why it's such an important ministry to have. So that's, uh, yeah. So I want to know all about how you got into that. But let's go back first and hear more about, about you. So I know you grew up in a Christian home. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Where was that? It was in Central Texas. My mom and dad were um, pastors there, eventually became men, um, missionaries to the Philippine Islands. My dad has now gone to be with the Lord, and my mother is almost 96, and any weaknesses or idiosyncrasies I have are definitely not their fault. <laughs> it, well, was a very, it was an excellent, loving, godly home. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow, most of us like to blame our parents for stuff. <laughs> you, you don't. That's awesome. 
No, I don't. <laughs> That's what a cool relationship. I love that. Okay. So, uh, you, so you grew up in, in Texas and your parents were, sound like they were amazing and they were missionaries and, and in, in work. So how did your faith become your own as you were growing up in that environment? Well, one thing I was, again, so blessed because I was in church every time the church doors were open. Um, my parents were very, very loving, but they were also very serious about God. My dad and mom actually started a church in Colleen, Texas. And so we started from the ground up, which meant that it was a tiny church at the beginning. But I always had excellent, heard excellent preaching heard excellent Sunday school teachers, and then I married a pastor who loved to go to seminars and kept and loved trying to learn more about Jesus Christ. Everywhere I've lived, I've had amazing teaching, and the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God in prayer was primary in our homes everywhere I've been. So um, um, it has been an amazing trip knowing God's faithfulness through parents and then through pastoring with my husband. Yeah. And how long did you say you were, you were in, in ministry then like that? Well, I married my, uh, my mom and dad were pastors all of my life. Yeah. And then I married at 19 and my husband was in some sort of ministry all of my life. I, um, Let's see, about 17 years ago, I was asked to be the founding director of Teen Challenge House of Promise on the western slope of Colorado. So I got to be the founder there. And um, I had learned from my family and from the word that, our, that God is our provider. And so I got to teach those women about the Lord and um, that he's our provider and to trust in him and to love him. And then I left there and came to Sarah's home. So I've been in ministry all my life. Wow. That's awesome. Did you ever, like, so I'm guessing, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is, and this is kind of just an identity for you. It's who you are and it's what you've done your whole life. You wouldn't know any different. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful picture right there. It's an amazing. Not many people can say that. I've never been abused in any way. I've just lived in a healthy environment all my life. Wow. Interesting. Well, that's, um, I'm kind of curious about how that plays out with the girls that you work with at Sarah's home. Uh, Cause they're sort of coming from a whole opposite direction, right? Yes, sir. Wow. How, what kind of, tell me about the relationships that you build and how that helps or, or interplays there. Well, one thing, um, if I'm understanding what you're asking, because of being in, quote unquote, the church all of my life, I've got out of your mind, amazing, rich relationships with godly people. And that means that they have sustained me when I was weak. They've sustained me when I've gone through horrible, horrible things in my life. They've uh, been there pointing me to the Lord. Um, one time I was in a situation and I have a good friend whose name is Peggy, and um, I was moaning and groaning to her, and she said, oh, Vicki, she said, this person's sin is real obvious. 
your sins just aren't as obvious. (laughs) (laughs) So that quickly got me back on the right path. So I have, I've got amazingly godly, strong, firm in the faith friends that support everything I do and everything I am. Yeah. That community is really important. Wow. So, okay. But what I'm wondering is about some of your specific experiences with God and, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to some some difficult times that you've had, and I'm sure you've found God in those, and I'd love to hear some of those. So I understand that you came to Christ through your, through your family, and that totally makes sense. Was there ever a moment when when you, you really began to understand the Lord in a new way, or were you kind of overwhelmed by, by His love as you were growing up or, like, early well, on? Well, that's— Sir, that's just been the picture of my life forever. Yeah. I think that my struggles have been when I have forgotten who God is and when I think it's all up to me. And I forget that I'm I'm clothed in his righteousness and it's not my righteousness, which is the word says is filthy rags. So my tough times is when I forget who he is and think it's all mine to do. And I forget that his yoke is easy. Yeah. And his his burden light, and when I realize my my burden and my yoke is really too heavy, I have to remember again that I'm obviously carrying his yoke and not mine. But yeah. yes, uh, the times that he hasn't felt near um, is because I forgot who he is, and he didn't move. I distanced myself away from him. But one of the amazing times that he showed me his love was just yesterday. I was, uh, Sarah's home is a a spiritual warfare every second of every day. And I'm not immune to that. And I was really the last couple of days, the last week, I have really felt intimidated. I have felt not confident. I have felt like um, I was doubtful. I was fearful, and yesterday, in twelve hours, I had one pastor that I haven't talked to in ages call me and say, "Vicky, as I was praying this morning, the Lord told me to pray for you and then to call you and pray for you." He called and he encouraged me. Just, just prayed. Of course, everything that the Lord knew I was going through. Mm. I hung up from that call just awed and a pastor that I had reached out to with an email to say that um, uh, I appreciated. I had heard that last Sunday he had preached about the horror of sex trafficking in our world and what we're supposed to do about it. And I just reached out to him to say thank you. And he reached back to me and encouraged me and told me what a vital ministry this is. And thank you for being on the cutting edge. And that just, that just was amazing. And then one of our volunteers called and she's working with me to how to get the word out better about Sarah's home. And, and through our talk, I was able to show her how that God is doing this We've got to be diligent and do our best, but he is doing this and he will do it. He's choosing the girls who are here. He chooses the timing and we just have to be faithful and and get out there and do what he's telling us to do. 
And then I had a text from one of our staff members. And this is so simple. But at the end of the text, she put a happy face or no, a, a love face. Oh, yeah. And it just did everything for me. And I just realized how I need to do that, how I need to do that more. And I prayed that the Lord would help me to encourage others. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so interesting. And I, I love that when that happens and it's like a whole bunch of voices sounds like they just spoke into you exactly yes. what God knew that you needed. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's easy to write that off as coincidence, but it's I don't believe that. I believe in providence, not coincidence. But when you need it so desperately, you know it's the hand of God. Absolutely. One time, it was really neat. Um, I don't have a, anyone at home except my husband anymore, but when I was fighting for time with the Lord and would make myself get up at 4.30 in the morning, um, I was praying one morning, and the Lord brought someone to my mind. And what I had learned over the years was when he brings someone to my mind, I pray. If he does it twice, I call them or reach out to them. Well, it's 4.30 in the morning, and he brought someone who had come to help us at Teen Challenge House of Promise, where I used to be. And I prayed for them. He brought her back to my mind, and I said, well, Lord, it's 4.30. He brought her back to my mind, I don't know how many times. Finally, I said, I'm supposed to call her at 4.30? So I did. She answered the phone, and when I told her that what had happened, that the Lord had brought her to my mind, and I thought I was supposed to call her, and I apologized for calling so early, she burst into tears. And she said, Vicki, last night, my husband found out he has West Nile. And she said, I was crying out to God just this morning, say, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? We've been faithful. We've been obedient to you. We trust you. Why has this happened? So that, that was a wonderful experience that I had. Again, realizing that if we listen and are obedient, we get to reach out and touch other people. Yeah. Are those experiences common for you? Well, they're getting more and more common over the over over my years. I'm 68 and it's becoming more po- common as my faith in Christ mm. has grown as I recognize his voice and I'm obedient and actually step out in faith. One of the times that was so so tough on me after, well, I had been at House of Promise for, uh, I think it was 13 years, and I had been asked to come to Sarah's home and be the director. Um, I came over and the board had said, we want to make sure Jesus Christ is the center, and we want you to get a different license so we can reach out to the families more. So I thought, I can do that. I had been a foster parent, and I knew about licensing. Kevin, it took me two and a half years to get the license, which meant during that time we had no girls here. And I would have good friends say to me, Vicki, you've got to get this license. People are not going to donate when there's no girls there. I, my confidence was gone. 
I kept saying to the Lord, if I'm in the way, move me out of the way. I know the girls out there are out there. I know they need Sarah's home. I know this place needs to be open. I've got the staff lined up. I know this is your will. For two and a half years, we didn't get a license. I, and it was the hardest, hardest time for me when I would be so desperate for his voice and he would show me a scripture. I would write it down in my iPad. When the two and a half years were over and we finally got our license, I had like three and a half, four pages of scriptures in my iPad that he had built my faith and I had to keep going back to those scriptures. and believe and it was the funniest thing right after we got our license i accidentally erased them all oh no and i cried out to the lord i said what am i gonna do that was my faith he said new chapter (laughs) that is like him yeah that's like him i like that Wow. Okay. What? So, what was the delay with the license? Was it just a state thing, or was it? I don't know. It was I don't like have a state the answer. Thing. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, I don't know, because God, in one time, He said to me, "I could speak the word, and it would be done." Oh. So, stay faithful. Stay faithful. <laughs> and eventually, we got it. We got the license, and as of February of this year, we started getting girls, and we've had five since then. Wow. Wow. That's... And Kevin, the finances never waned. Yeah. Well, they dropped a little bit, but they never stopped. And as long as, let me tell you a fun story at House of Promise. He also didn't want me to take government funding um, at House of Promise. We could have had food stamps because he wanted our ladies and their children to know that he is our provider. That doesn't mean that food stamps are bad and God doesn't like them. It just meant he wanted it house of promise for our women to believe that he's the provider. So one day, and so we didn't let them ask anyone for anything except God. So one day that literally the pantry, oh, we did not have enough food for another meal or at least not a, another day. And so the Lord said, um, get the women into the kitchen and pray. And so we got them in the kitchen and we, I told them and they knew there was little food in the pantry and we were feeding 30 people every meal. And so, um, so uh, we prayed and I said to them, I don't want you to say it out loud, but if there's something in particular you'd like from the Lord, tell him without anybody else knowing. It was summer, and 24 hours later, we had a knock on our kitchen door, and it was the public schools, public school, um, the food, the food, I don't know, the uh, kitchen people, and their semester for the summer had ended, and they had heard about us. They brought us 24 boxes of food. Mostly fresh fruit. Wow. String cheese, amazingly wonderful vegetables. And so I called the women in and I showed them and I said, now I want you to tell me 
before I show you what's in these boxes, what did you ask the Lord for? And they started telling me. And one had even asked for a kind of pear I had never heard of. <laughs> Every one of their requests were in those boxes. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. yes. So I've seen the the Lord provide, and I know that as long as he is the boss of Sarah's home, and he's my God and my Lord, and I trust him alone, he will provide, and he does. Yeah. You know what I love about that? Because sometimes you hear stories about people in the past who've trusted the Lord this way, um, and it's easy to trust, it's easy to to hear those and be like, okay, well that's good for them. Right. Um, it's a whole different thing to have experienced it or to, to hear a story firsthand yes. from someone else, you know? Yes. I, and I think that's one of the, one of the reasons I do what I do here uh, is to hear stories like that because I know that God yes. works all the time and I'm yes. excited to hear him, to hear him doing that. Well, when I was a kid or newly married, newly married, my parents were lower middle class people, and that's what my husband and I are. Um, but I heard my mom say to my dad one day, you know what? We give to missions. We give to our to colleges. We give to church. We give, we give. But we don't give to our children as young adults. And he said, we give to them. But the main thing I want to give to them is believing that God will provide and that he's their provider. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it sounds like that's a legacy you've received from them. Yes, sir. Was there ever, so and maybe the answer to this is your parents. You tell me, but was there anybody that you wanted to be like when you grew up spiritually that you kind of looked well, up to? There's a late, well, there's a lady over, well, this wasn't when I was growing up. This is as an adult. Yeah. There's a lady who's on staff at a church over in Delta, Colorado, that I loved to get in her car. She, and this is when cassette tapes were still the thing. Yeah. And she'd always have a preaching or a teaching um, cassette in her car all the time. She was always learning. She's about my age. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to always be learning. Never, never, never stop learning. And something that the Lord is doing in my heart now is he's one and at 68. There was a book, and I'm sorry, I don't remember that I barely I read some of it. And it talked about finishing well. And I'm sure that because this is a podcast, you've got mostly people younger than me. But just recently at church again, Sunday a lady came up to me and told me about having seen friends and she said they have finished well. So there's a yearning in my heart now that I want to finish well. I'm listening to the Bible as I get dressed. I listen and I'm, I'm listening to the old Testament and so many, so many King, even King Asa who pleased God didn't finish well. And so a cry of my heart is, Father God, help me to finish well. But to answer your question, and this sounds kind of super spiritual, and I'm not trying to be, but I just, the only one I want to be like is like Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that may not be what you're asking, but, no, but there's nobody else that really, I just want to be like Jesus. Well, I think that's, I mean, I can't argue with that, right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that's that's a good answer. I'm I'm certainly, you know, I was curious about if there were other people that you were, you know, you were kind of looking up to, but I, I appreciate that about finishing well. That's, uh, you know, it's not easy to do, to, to be right. faithful, but I think going through a life of walking with the Lord, you know, hopefully that you, you kind of get to a place, you know, this, my show is called halfway there, right? We're, so we're never going to get there wherever right, there is. Right. That's not, it's a mythical place. Uh, we're right. always in process. I'm trying to say, and, um, but hopefully we're, we're keeping in step with, with the Lord as we are on the journey. So, well, recently, recently I had, I had not been nice to my husband. I had not been nice to my mother and I had not been nice to my middle daughter. It, I mean, I don't even know that they know that I hadn't been nice, but I knew it. And I was really bothered. And I said, Lord, what in the world is going on? And you know what he said to me? You think more highly of yourself than you ought. <laughs> he said, you're looking down on them. You think more highly of yourself than you ought. Yeah. And and even listening to my Old Testament Bible these mornings, one of the kings, I'm not sure which it was, did not finish well. He had started well, but he didn't finish well because of his pride. And I think that is something that I pray, oh God, please, please forgive me for my pride and for thinking more highly of myself than not. And I think that's part of finishing well, is not to give you, uh, Corey Ten Boom, I heard that whenever she um, was speaking often, people would come to her and brag on her and tell her what a wonderful lady she is and tell her, Tell her, oh, I just can't imagine what you've been through. And now that you're such a wonderful speaker. And she said she learned to take those things like a, 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 a bouquet of flowers and smell them and enjoy the way they look and enjoy how they smelled and then pass them up to the one who deserved them. Yeah. And that's Jesus Christ. That's a really great metaphor. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, because I, you know, the, what's even worse than um, I think taking them, taking the compliment is not taking the compliment, right? True, that's P true. People are trying to encourage you and they're trying to say something nice to you. You got to yes, receive sir. that and say, okay, thank yes, you. Sir. But to hold it as something like a flower that's going to fade and, you know, it's beautiful in the moment and satisfying, mm -hmm. but it, it, a couple of days from now it'll be worthless, right? That's right. Uh, what a, wow, that's a great metaphor. Um, yeah, that's good. By the way, so I put, uh, finishing well by Bob Buford. I don't know if that's the book you were referring could be. to. That's, could be. that's the famous could be. one. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll put that in the links to, uh, in the show good. notes so that people good. can find that if they want to listen to it or read it. Good. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, that's, that's great, Vicki. I, I love a lot of this. Um, I want to know, so you, we, you kind of started to talk about this. Um, but I'm curious if you've had any times where you felt like God was far away or you had kind of a dark night of the soul. And I know that you said that you, you know, it's when you kind of, God never changes, obviously, but when you kind of you know, fail to see him, but 
those f- situations can be really formational for us. I wonder if you've had any like that. Well, one one kind of kind of silly thing that nobody knows but my husband, and I just recently told him. I um, I'm having trouble with my eyes, and I've been to different specialists, etc. And so I've read all the scriptures over and over and over and over about healing. And I was praying about my eyes, and I really felt like the Lord had confirmed that he was going to heal my eyes. Now, this has just been the last year or so. So I went out to the garage, and I broke my glasses. Oh, no. Uh-huh, because I, on purpose, because I felt like the Lord had told me he was going to heal my eyes. Oh. And I was going to show him that I believed. So I went in, and I don't I don't know how long it took my husband to realize I didn't have my glasses on. But I didn't even explain to him at that time. Well, since then, my eyes have gotten worse. And I had to go to another specialist, and they've gotten worse. And I've often prayed, Lord, I've read your scripture. I've, I've, I know what your word says about healing. I know that your, your word is true. I believe I have faith to believe that. So what's going on? So I actually recently have been having to get shots in my eyes. Oh, man. Uh-huh. And so about a month ago, I, uh, the, they weren't working. And so the uh, physician uh, implanted a little steroid pellet into my left eye. Well, they weren't getting better. They weren't getting better. They weren't getting better. And I didn't, re- and I might cry here. <clears throat> I didn't realize how discouraged I was. And so I went to my appointment last Wednesday, I believe it was. And I actually sat down for the regular things with the first lady, the first assistant. And I realized how discouraged I was and how um, sad I was. And so I went and got the x-ray. And she didn't say anything. And I was, could hardly do it because of the tears in my eyes. And so then I went in to see the doctor. And he came in and he said, yay, good, good news, good news. I said, what? He said, look at this x-ray. And the problem with my eye was gone. I couldn't see well yet, but he told me and he reassured me that will follow. And so he did the implant in my other eye. So today, I still have trouble seeing with my compute with my, on my computer screen. But he shows me, he's showing me, even if you don't see it yet, I'm faithful and I'm your healer. That's all. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that's great. It's, you know, so what did that do for you in terms of trusting him? For, for whatever else you need. 
Well, it just got me back where I know to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do trust him. He has given me a great, great deal of faith. But now I just have to remember that even when I can't see, whether it's my eyes or whatever, or getting a license for Sarah's home, he's faithful, he's true, and I can trust him. And just keep walking a step at a time because he's good and he will do it. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Vicki, you have some great stories. Well, I've lived forever. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things, actually. I, you know, I somebody asked me yesterday what, what the most downloaded episodes of the show were. And I was telling me, he's like, oh, it's all, it's all, uh, you know, women who are way older, you know, but. Uh, and I think, yeah, there's a good reason for that because there's, there's stories that are, um, that, that, that you've, you've been through. Right. And so yes. I, I think like, I just love the journey and like, I love hearing, hearing all those different, uh, different episodes. I want to turn though, to just to have you share just a little bit more about Sarah's home. You gave us kind of the description, um, but I want people to get, the impact that you're making there. And so like, what is, you know, what is the problem um, that's happening? And then, you know, what, how are you endeavoring to kind of love these girls that are rescued from trafficking? Well, I think the problem stems for just stems from sin. And my, my simple definition of sin is I, it's all about me. It's what I feel good about. It's what I want to do. And so people, even people in our churches, it's still all about me. And when it's all about me, you don't care who you hurt because it's all about me. Yeah. And one of the things that just tears me up is the FBI says that before a girl gets to be 18, one of four girls will have been sexually abused. That's all about me. That's a person saying, well, I'm not going to, this is my desires. This is my sex drive. This is my decision. It's all about me. Well, another thing I learned, Kevin, is sin splatters. And so the person who doesn't care about anybody else but him or her goes out and wrongs a child and that his sin splatters or her sin splatters all over that child. So we have a world full, a nation full of children who have no hope and have no value because if mama or daddy doesn't take care of me and protect me, then what's my worth? People ask about the girls who come to Sarah's home. How long does it take them to become successful or to overcome? Well, our success stories are when a girl will take a shower by herself without sitting, someone sitting outside the shower because when she was at home, her brother would wait till she got in the shower 
and come put his hand over her mouth until she passes over, passes out so he can rape her. Our success story is when our girls laugh when it's laughing time and cry when it's crying time and their emotions know which is which. Our success story is one of our 12-year-old that was here realizes that her pimp is a pimp, not her boyfriend or her daddy. And she asks for the for his name that has been implanted, tattooed on the inside of her arm to be taken off. That's success. Wow. Our success is when at Sarah's home, they get hope again that they get to be a little girl again, that they get to play with a doll again because they lost all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really imagine that loss of innocence, right? That's right. Yeah. And loss of hope and loss of trust and loss of self-worth. It's gone. So how long does it take to get it back? When Jesus comes back. Yeah. We have an on-site school, an accredited on-site school here that our girls can attend. And it's amazing. It's amazing. We test them when they get here and do an evaluation. Sometimes they start at second grade. Sometimes their education is very splotchy because usually they have worked from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And if they go to school, they sleep through school. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what are some things like, so, you know, most of our audience, most of our friends here are not going to have a lot of experience with this. Um, So what are some things that they can do to one, be more aware and then to maybe, maybe be involved? A lot of ways online, they can go to the FBI website. They can go to websites like, um, uh, like our website and find out what to watch for, yeah. what to be, to, you know, um, and then then don't, if you think you see a girl or a boy being trafficked or that's out there looking for someone, um, don't approach them. Call the police. Or there are also uh, hotlines they can call to get help for the person. But actually, I was uh, outside of... Uh, a grocery store about a year ago. It was a wintry night and real stormy. And I knew that, that the woman that was outside the door or the young woman was trafficking herself and always know her pimp is nearby or the bottom who is a fem- the female lead for the pimp is nearby and knows what they're doing. So that's, I did mm-hmm. not approach the girl. I got in my car and I called the police department, called 911 and let them take over. But they, there's a lot of, Sarah's home has a training. Uh, we are in El Paso County in Colorado. We have trainings once a quarter. They can come and learn more. They can um, see how they can be involved. There's all over the web are areas, places that they can be involved. There's many places they can get an education. Sarasoma is one of the very, very, very few 
in the United States who actually takes the girls and they can live here. And we walk beside them and educate them up until 18 years old. One of the amazing parts of Sarah's home is we have parent weekends. And every other month, the parents are required to come so that we can teach them godly parenting and teach them how to be the parent these girls are going to need. That's that's so interesting. Like, So how does that work? Because that seems kind of, you wouldn't expect them to necessarily be reconnected with their family. Oh, they want to. They want to be, yeah. Every child wants their mama or their daddy, especially their mama. Mm. Every child, and we know that. I learned that at House of Promise. One of the reasons House of Promise was so amazing is we let the child come to be with the mother. And until that relationship heals, it's hard to go further. Yeah. So it's a requirement for them to do the parent weekend. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so and I assume you mentioned funding. Uh, that I, funding is always an issue. Is that uh, is that something? Can people donate to you and your cause as well? It's yes, a, sir. Okay. Sarah's, yes, sir. Sarah's in home. fact, like I said, we only we've had one grant since we opened, and someone else got that for us. But our funding, our our monthly budget is twenty eight thousand. Our staff is paid. We do have mentors and volunteers. Um, and but people, um, organizations, um, churches, secular organizations fund us. This summer we were invited to three golf tournaments where we we received that we were the beneficiaries. And so people hear about us. The Lord puts us on people's hearts, and they call and they come have us speak and tell them more, which we love to do that also. But if they want to donate. Or learn more about Sarah's Home, we're at www.sarahshome.us. Perfect. Sarah'sHome.us. Friends, if you do that and you donate a little bit, you feel led to do that, would you just check on there under additional information? How'd you hear about Sarah's Home? Just put halfway there. And uh, I'd love to love to just know that, uh, that you guys are making a difference uh, for these girls and for this ministry. Um, all right. Well, Vicki, I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us here just sharing your story. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? No, sir. I just thank you so much. I love what you're doing. <laughs> and thank you so much for letting us be a part of it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing both your story and your ministry at Sarah's Home. Uh, I think it's just really profound. And, uh, you know, we got a little glimpse into your walk with the Lord, which is really sweet. So thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you so much.